Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. From the glow of St. Paul's number one, Welcome to another edition of Cabin Country. Give us the time and we'll take you out of the traffic and away from the levee. Let's find the place where the loons call out among the moonlit waves, where the wind sighs among the Norway pines. Pull up a dock chair, have a sip of your coffee, and get a line in the water. This is Cabin Country. Now here's Bjorn Lloydstead, and I'm Fudd Klugman with another Woodland Escape. Well, welcome back once again to Cabin Country. I'm Cabin Country. Fudd Indeed. Klugman. And I'm Bjorn Lloydstedt. And uh, tonight, in addition to our coffees, bottled waters, which are usually at arm's length, we're also going to enjoy a bottle of Spring Grove soda. Indeed. Spring Grove. Because I, I, I picked them up today at Lund's and Byerly's. Elixir. Uh, in anticipation for tonight's episode. Yes. In which we'll get to listen to Bob Hansen, the current owner of Spring Grove Soda. Mixologist. But uh, I don't know, with all these beverages, Bjorn, I, we might be taking more sponsor breaks. There might be a need for Don to step up as we step out. But, uh, right. Uh, I mean, all, this, all this. In fact... Uh, Good stuff. What, uh, what flavor do you have there in front of you? Well, Fudd, I'm looking at a Spring Grove Black Cherry, which is, a, I know, a, a mutually oh, yes. appreciated flavor for both of us. Uh, it is. I mean, usually, to be honest, uh, in years past, when we make our stop uh, and get some of our provisions for the weekend... That's right, the cabin uh, cabin provisions. I usually grab a can or two of Shasta Black Cherry, because that's just sitting out there and had for years. There it is, an old cabin steady. Grew up with that. That's my dad always had a cooler semi-filled with. (laughs) The cheapest you could find, You get two or three, and that's no rip on Shasta, folks. It's just it was so available. I was also a fan of the old... What was it? Uh, was it the root beer? Or? Gold label, I think. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, you used to get and then Tom Moore. I mean, you name yeah. it. You name your company and Black Cherry. Always a solid yes. go-to. A good friend. Love it. Love it. Well, tonight good I get friend. to have, I get to sample Rueberry. Rueberry. Yes, indeed. And uh, you'll you'll get to hear more about the flavor of Rueberry. Bob will tell us all about Rueberry. In a bit here, but... Uh, but first, we you know we we just recently released our episode on Thielen Meats with our great interview with Joe Thielen. Correct. Yes. And uh, well, and just in case we haven't made it abundantly clear, Thielen Meats has has been and remains a pretty significant connection to cabin country for right. Bjorn every weekend. Not every not to make weekend. too fine a point of it. Amen. But, you bet. But uh, anyways, uh, uh, Joe did listen to the episode. And sent us a really nice email. Very and favorable. I, I just thought I'd start out by, by reading what he Please said. Please do, yeah. Because it was really nice. So Joe's comments. Joe says, uh, Greetings, Fudd and Bjorn. I wanted to thank you for the great episode. I actually begrudgingly listened to it. I really despise the sound of my own voice. <laughs> it oh, Joe. took a heck of a lot of curiosity to force me to listen to myself speak. I was amazingly impressed with the podcast. You guys do a great job. I look forward to listening to back episodes and will continue to listen to upcoming episodes. I've needed something to fill the void of the loss of Prairie Home Companion, and you seem to have a bit of inspiration from Garrison Keillor. Now, I don't know who this Garrison Keillor is. Maybe he's referring to Good Old Lloyd? Possibly. The Good Old Lloyd show? Is that what you meant, uh, Joe? Could could be. Could be. No, no, indeed, we are uh, 
influenced by the work of Garrison Keillor. But anyways, he goes on to say, thank you again, and please bring me a jug of that fresh oil attractant perfume. Oh, that's right. We had the, <laughs> what was that called? The Deep Blue. Deep, deep Angler blue. Deep Blue. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. A, uh, a, a fascinating fish attractant bait additive. And if you're heading, hitting the clubs later. That's right. That's right. A, a wonderful uh, cologne to... Uh, <laughs> Well, well, that's great. Mixed results, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'd, uh, we'd love to hook you up, Joe. E- excellent. Well, yeah. Well, thanks for that email, Joe, and thanks um, for the interview. It was a yeah, wonderful, wonderful time. It, it was. It was great. The back workings of an old favorite. We also heard from another fan. Indeed, I wanted to mention um, from Calgary in Alberta, Canada. You bet. Uh, she's a writer, and she she actually took the time and wrote a short cabin country story kind of a ghost story indeed with bjorn and fudd fan fiction bjorn i love it i love it it was just i was just blown away blown away by that so we'll we'll check that out a little bit later um but first we wanted to get on with our our uh play you our interview with with bob hansen of spring grove soda spring grove soda and i I have i have to admit when we were setting that up bjorn i i was so unfamiliar with spring grove soda and i thought well isn't that kind of a newish uh uh, you know, craft soda that's just appeared on the sure, scene in the sure, last decade or two, sure. but that didn't turn out to be the case. No, a long and storied company uh, out of Spring Grove, Minnesota, and uh, I'll be honest, Fudd, my first encounters with Spring Grove Soda were, were uh, you know, following a very bored mother, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, times times at the cabin where dad was re-roofing the shed or working on the working on the pump or something along those lines. And mm-hmm. she said, I, I go, I'm going to the antique shops. Uh, if there, there might be a comic book or something in it for you if you come along. And I oh, fair All enough, right. fair I'm enough, in. I'm in. And and I remember seeing these cool old clear soda bottles on the shelves, you know, all marked at that some might say exorbitantly high uh, antique oh, yeah. shop uh, <laughs> rates, but they just looked cool. And I was like, Spring Grove Soda, I... The good old days of, of small town companies that, that made their own flavors. And then lo and behold, uh, my brother-in-law showed up at a couple different family events with with the product in hand, well, in hand and in a cooler, mm-hmm. and saying, man, you got to try this stuff. It's it's uh, it's awfully good. And uh, I was hooked, man. The hook was set. I, I loved it. And I thought, I guess it's not just the materiel of antique shop shelves it's yeah it's still, still going very much still going and, being produced and boy you know like you said you walked into a local grocery yeah comestible <laughs> facility and yes. lo and behold there it was on the shelves which was good to see because yeah it's 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 available all over the great state of minnesota and uh as bob will tell us other states in the midwest and they're they're pushing to see how far out they can carry the uh you yeah, know, spread out the their products, distribution. Absolutely, get distribution farther out, and I, I think they'll they'll find a ready and waiting crowd. It's a very good product. So we're, we're looking at a couple of bottles here, and I right. Think and I I, let, I I got us a couple of bottle openers. Now, Indeed. truth be told, these are twist open, but of course, oh, we're going to go old school on we, these. We've got to get the sound effect here, and I'm going to open. That's right. Here we go. Let's see. I don't even know how this bottle works. Here, here we go. Oh yes. Let's oh yeah. Oh yeah! Tear into the rhubarb. Here we go. Black cherry is is talking to me, talking to me. Oh, that's lip smacking. Ah. Mm. Yep. I I I wish uh, through the the wonders of sound you could taste the flavor I'm I'm enjoying right now. Oh, that's yes, a, that's a very solid black cherry. That's as good as they get. So that's excellent. Well, we'll enjoy these while we listen Indeed. to uh, our conversation with Bob. Just a Bob will be on a warmer day a few couple of months ago. Indeed, but uh, yeah, let's 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 hear about the history of Spring Grove Soda. That's right. My name is Bob Hanson. I'm the owner of Spring Grove Soda. Spring Grove Soda was started back in 1895 by a gentleman by the name of G.G. Risty. Okay. Mr. Risty was a town pharmacist, and back in that time period, the pharmacies. When they were making the medicines there, they didn't just buy them and bring them in. They made them there, and they would either have an ice cream parlor or a soda jerk to go with it. Well, sure. Mr. Risty had a soda jerk, yep. and he was he was doing that, mixing it up, his little concoctions up for a few years, and his brother-in-law, which was a town vet, veterinarian, said to him, you know, everybody loves your soda, and they'd love to take it home, so we need to put it in a bottle. 
Right. Let's go out and let's find some bottling equipment, put this thing together, start bottling so people could take it home. So they did. It went over re- really well. It was called Spring Grove Bottling Works at the time. Right. And a lot of these small towns had the same thing going on, little bottling works. Mm-hmm. And it, it stayed inside of their family. They sold it after probably four or five years, but they always sold it inside of their family until 1964. And when they did sell it outside, they sold it to a, a, a town name, it, um, a Morkin, mm-hmm. and his name was Arnold Morkin. He was a town entrepreneur, had a couple other businesses, always loved Spring Grove Soda, so he bought it, but when he did, he also bought Pabst Blue Ribbon Distributing. Uh-huh. And I tell everybody that that one move, in my opinion, saved Spring Grove Soda. Okay. Because in 64, the late 50s, early 60s, Coke and Pepsi were making that big push oh, yeah. across the country. And they had something that nobody else had. They had ad- an advertising budget and they had distribution. Right. And all... They'd come into an area and saturate it, and all these little bottling works would close up. It's kind of fizzle. Right? Yep, they'd, they'd be done. Well, Spring Grove Soda had distribution. Right. And they were they were taking their soda right with them. They were selling a lot of beer, and the beer kind of carried the load for them, but the soda was getting out there, and it was getting the, it was getting the name, the name yeah. Absolutely. for itself. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, I mean, by default, that's kind of how I... We reached out to you guys because it was like I know this name, and I've I've even seen the old bottles in like antique shops. Oh, absolutely! You know? I have yeah. too. Yeah. I, I thought to myself, I've got a lot more of these if you like them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is this is a piece of, of Minnesota history, so yeah, without a doubt. So, in the early days, was there a particular flavor that Spring Grove was kind of known for back well, in the early times? I don't know so much in the in the super early times. I know right. that he'd started out with three flavors. Okay. And I, I want to say root beer was one, oh, yeah. and the grape was another one, and I think it was the strawberry. All right. My wife and I moved in, into the area in, in 1983, mm-hmm. and we found Spring Grove soda. We always had it in our in our refrigerator we just loved it right but um the strawberry is that's the big deal around spring grove okay around this area is right the strawberry everybody absolutely loves it just visiting your website i saw rhubarb, and i thought ooh, that sounds kind of exciting so it's rhubarb strawberry rhubarb and strawberry we um we have a little town in the area called lanesboro yep and they have a rhubarb festival okay and they wanted us to um make them a rhubarb soda yeah and so my wife was running the, the plant at the time, and she worked with them on it uh-huh. quite a bit. And when I came in, we took it on our, for ourselves because sure. they couldn't afford to put a label right. on it, right. which is very expensive. Right. So we took it on for ourselves, and we kind of changed it up a li- just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, we'd bottle about maybe 100, 150 cases a year. Okay. And my first year here, after getting it going, we were going to go up to the state fair. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. it was our first year to the state fair, and I, I had like 30 cases left over of rhubarb, and I thought, yeah. boy, I'm going to be stuck <laughs> with this for the for the winter. I want to I want to try to move this. Yeah. And so we we took it up to the state fair with us, and I just put a, a little card at the bottom of our flavor list, yeah. rhubarb, and I had those 30 cases. And, um, I bet it went. Boy, People were coming in there, and they were, well, what's rhubarb? And we'd tell them, and they, everybody was trying it. Fair starts on that Thursday morning, yeah. and by Saturday morning, we were sold out of rhubarb. That's it. Wow. It, was, it was gone, and actually, wow. when um, they go around um, and do Star Tribune does the mm-hmm. top five, yep. our rhubarb and our lemon sour made the top five. Wow. wow. So we oh, were we cool. were pretty excited about that. Yeah. Excellent. Were you in the food building, or did you have a stand? No, somewhere we've got a the... stand right next to the um, the DNR outdoor stage. Sure, okay. we're right next to that, yeah. so we get we get nice DNR DNR shows in yep. the morning, and we yep. get good bands all the all the rest well, of the and day. If the temperatures keep going up, I'm guessing as long as that's cold soda, you're you're doing real well. We do real well <laughs> at the state fair. We we go, really do. Go look at the the paddlefish, and then come on over. Come and on over and have, have a, a couple soda. bottles of. Black so, cherry. So, Bob, you moved into the area in 1983. When did you uh, when did you acquire Spring Grove? Um, actually, we we acquired it in 2003. Oh, okay. My um, my wife was selling insurance, and I was a timber cruiser for a logging company sure. in the area. Yep. And 
she came home one day and she said um, she had the Morkins insured mm-hmm. and she said, well, the pop factory's up for sale. Uh-huh. And I did something that I probably should have never done. <laughs> I said, oh, what do they want for it? Uh-huh. And here we go. What a great wow. idea. <laughs> yeah, super. <laughs> wow. And you haven't had any time off since? No, absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> but not. But you've loved it. I oh, mean, that. Yep. Yeah, I have fun. Oh, I have goodness. fun every day. Absolutely. So not to just beat Rewberry into the ground here, but that's a limited time kind of thing? or um, Actually, it we were doing it just for summers, okay. and now we've changed it to a year-round. Yeah, so, so right. it's it's been going People real well. like it; they don't want to see it disappear. No, they like it on the shelf. And does that get used for any specialty kind of? Like well, it's, floats. It's a, a great it? float maker. Yeah, but um, you know, if you accidentally spilled a little vodka in with it, it <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't be the, be the worst end thing of the that world. ever happened. Right? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not not going to end the story right there. Right? Yeah. Rewberry vodka. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a little I'll, different. I'll have to try that. It's pretty cool. Well, how how massive is the dis- distribution uh, like over the, where, the country? Yeah, where, like how where far you... around the country are we going to find spring growth? Well, we've got all of Minnesota covered with um, we've got the whole um, Budweiser network okay. distributing for us in Minnesota. Yep. Then we go into North and South Dakota. We're on the sure. eastern sides of that. And then we're on the um, north northeastern side of Iowa. Mm-hmm. And we're on the western side of Wisconsin. Okay. So we've got we're getting out there. We're yep. getting out there. Yep. When we bought the place, they were doing about 10,000 cases of Spring Grove soda a year. Right. Okay. And after she she came in and she everything was on a hand ledger, so she ended up put computerizing everything. Yep. And then she was out looking for distributors, and they all were saying the same thing. We love the soda. Yeah. Soda's great. Package is terrible. Right. So we want a different package if we're going to take this. Okay. Huh. So um, we were got into Lunds and Byerly's mm-hmm. and she was up doing samplings and I went up to visit with her. Mm-hmm. She'd been there for like two weeks. They've got had a ton of stores. Right, yeah. And um, she showed us showed me her display and they had like fifteen or twenty other craft sodas in this sure. display. Yep. Yep. And I looked at her and we were in a short, squatty little ten ounce bottle right. with a paper label and I said you know, we're going to have to change this have because to change the look. everything else is in a long neck bottle with a nice pressure sensitive label yeah. and it all looks so nice. I said, if I didn't know our soda, I probably wouldn't buy it. Right. I would uh. grab something else because it just to the package. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So when she came home, she changed it up. She found a long neck bottle and pressure sensitive label and okay. she bought a labeler and she started bottling and yeah. getting some more distribution. It started put it in a different um, box and carrier. By 2010, when I stepped in, mm-hmm. she had the sales up to 20,000 cases. Wow. wow. So she was doing her job. She was right. doing real well. Right. And the only reason I really I stepped in was because I carried the health insurance, and the health insurance where I was working was getting too expensive. Sure. So we just switched spots. It was a little nerve-wracking for her at first. I but, bet. Um, yeah. To see me come in here, but um, <laughs> what are you going to do to my baby? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I had that thing running. Yeah. What are huh. you going to do? Well, I wrecked it in, in about a year. It took me to <laughs> <laughs> took me about a year to shell out the filler, and we had to bring in a different filler and change things around a little bit. But when we did that, we wanted to do it with the idea that we had to get into the 21st century, right? And because the filler that we had was an old syrup or a dump. It dumped two ounces of syrup in a bottle and then 10 ounces of carbonated water. Sure. Get a cap put on it, go through a mixer, and voila. Right. Well, the big boys don't play like that. Sure. They mix everything before it goes into a bottle. So And then they can test it like what I was doing out there. Right out there on the floor you were testing. I was testing it. So we're testing it about every 20 minutes and making sure that we're we're right on where we want to be with each flavor. Consistency is key. I open a bottle of Spring Grove in, in Lanesboro versus St. Cloud. It's going to taste the same. It's going to taste matter. identical. Absolutely. So that's what we're going for. And when we did that, now all of a sudden this equipment can do a lot more than what we could do before. Mm-hmm. And so if you're going to have the toys, you got to play with them. Right. So yeah. we went out and we started looking for other contract packaging. And we found the Cock and Bull line. We've been bottling right. that for quite a while now. And now we're also doing dad's 
Looking at it right there, it's an apple ginger beer kind yep. of deal. That, and that we do it. Cool. It yeah. does a. They do all different flavors. They do a cherry and apple, okay, and an original and the diet as well. Sure. So, and then we do the dad's, dad's line as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So we do a kombucha tea. Yep. As well. So we're yeah. we're doing all kinds of different things now, and instead of just bottling. The 20,000 cases, I think Spring Grove is up to real close to 40,000 cases oh, wow. right okay. now. Sure. And with our, our other contract packaging, on a normal year, right. we'd probably be right around 100 to 110,000 cases. Okay, so a year. you're staying busy. Yeah, we're staying busy. When you've got your nine out there doing their hard work and then you're in here and in running here. things and yep. running the forklift and the whole you're loading trucks and yeah you do what you wow. do do wow. what you got to do yeah nine it, is that the count of the workers in yep there? and he's got a force out there of nine people doing okay. this that and everything out there and oh excellent and uh the dad's end of things so you're bottling for them casing yes. it up and all that kind yep. of stuff ready to go is that a minnesota based um as well no it? actually it's not it's, it's not um, okay it's actually i think the owners are out in california oh okay with that um, they've got another plant in Indiana. I know that's where the concentrate's coming from. Right. Now, when you say uh, pressure sensitive, that's that's the labeling we're used to seeing with the Spring Grove label. Right. It, it kind of almost the, almost looks like it's painted on the bottle. Yes, yeah, right. exactly. That's why we we have a clear back and then just yep. the, the letters on it, so you right. see the product. You see the product all the way yeah. through. Yeah. It's a very cabin country friendly label with the deer and the tree. So, yeah, when, who designed? When was that designed? That was the original. That was their original okay. label. Oh, like going they, all the way back to the 1890s. Yeah, that was. Yeah, it was probably it was probably real early 1900s was when that was. Sure. It was on their first screen printed bottle. Okay. Okay. You know, when they first started out, they had all the bottles were embossed and it'd say yeah. Spring Grove Bottling Works or whatever. Sure. Or, whatever it was on it yeah. and when they first started they had the cork in the bottle with the little clip okay oh, yeah. so you would it'd be a, a whopping six or an eight ounces and you yeah. sure couldn't drink it all right so yeah. you'd Lord. Op- you'd flip the clip down and push the cork in and then you'd pour out what you wanted uh-huh. and then you'd pull the cork or the clip back up and it'd force that cork back in save the other three ounces for later <laughs> exactly <laughs> or for your significant other there or your, go. Oh, yeah. your brother or sister yeah, you know yeah and the cases weren't like the normal cases. Mm-hmm. The bottles were all stored upside down. Oh, interesting. They had, they have little, had little holes in them so it would hold the neck of the bottle. Okay. Up, upside down to keep the cork wet. I see. So they would stay sealed. It didn't dry out and shrink. And exactly. And lose all, lose all your carbonation. Carbonation. Right. So, Rueberry, fascinating. Obviously, I have all the cream sodas, the root beers, etc. Is there another kind of curious flavor you've been toying with uh you know we've got we've got several that we're playing with okay. and we've got some um some seltzers that we're yeah we're toying with yeah, a little absolutely. bit too that's a huge um, market right now yeah exactly and it's everybody's kind of wanting to get to that sugar-free type thing sure so you know you're we're exploring that as well right. so we've got we've probably got about six flavors that we're really got looking it. at probably nothing you want to you don't want to ruin the secret. We're not we're not going to tease yeah. anything just yeah. yet. Well, well okay. what's existing right now? What are the what's the, the list flavors? of flavors, yeah? Uh, we've got strawberry, orange, grape, creamy orange, black cherry, yep. root beer, lemon sour, um, cream soda. Right. Rueberry. Rueberry. Let's not forget the rueberry. Yeah. And I think that's it. Sounds about right. Do do you have a person that like a mixologist? I don't know what you'd call it in the soda well, industry, but Yeah, we, I guess I pretty much you're it. I'm, I'm kind of it. Cool. Your palate is. Well, I'll get it. I'll get it to where I want it, and then right. we'll then we'll have to send it out to get it fine tuned. Right. Make sure that it's shelf stable and yeah. stuff like that. So. I mean, is there a? I, I'm guessing with like uh, government agencies, etc. There's probably a process you have to go through too to make sure everything's. Well, you can't do this, but you can do this. I'm thinking right. like I've seen some curious flavors out there across the states. You know, <laughs> like. Juniper berry, cola, yeah. dry. You know, I'm like, what does that mean? Well, and is there anything in there that's it can't be illegal or it wouldn't be on the shelves? But I, you know, there's a lot of flavor companies out there. Okay, I'll call my flavor company and right. I'll, I'll say this is what I want. Yeah, want to do, and they'll send me some samples of okay. just of flavors. Right, and then I'll play with them until I get them where I want, where you and then want I'll it. I'll send it back, and I'll say okay. Now, I like this. Mm-hmm. This is how I'm blending it. Right. I need to know how much preservative I need to put in and sure. this and that. So, and then they'll take it into their lab. Right. They'll, deve- they'll get it 
developed on my flavor and they'll say okay here's here's how you want to mix this here's how it's shelf stable here's the proportions yep. you want to go and this is where you want to go oh, that's fascinating it's it's like chemistry well of course it is i mean it's, you're mixing it's drinks chemistry. it's chemistry yep, yeah it's all chemistry i've got a i've got a soon-to-be college-age daughter who's like i'm kind of interested in chemistry it's like hey <laughs> hey how about well you i'll tell you what flavor back, company back when i was getting out of high school if somebody yeah. said hey you got to do chemistry oh so you i'd have said where's the rope please just yeah, don't pull uh, off right it, now right, yeah <laughs> if i'm not mistaken and correct me if i'm wrong um, I feel like Spring Grove. I mean, I've got relatives from way back in the day, Norwegians, of course, Lutherans, Absolutely. right? Yep. And they were down here, and there was a big, I don't want to say Viking history, but kind of Norwegian-American oh, yeah. history museum. Yep. I mean, is, have, have, have they, like, reached out to you at some point? But obviously not a Lefsa-flavored soda or anything no. like that, but I mean... <laughs> not Ludafisk either. Yeah, we won't right. go there. We well, that would be illegal. There. That's against the Geneva Convention, so it can't it be done. <laughs> right. Just not right. But I mean, have they have they thrown any, like, any ideas at you? you know, Lingenberry, they, yeah. They, they really haven't. Okay. We, you know, we've got our our living history museum, house, museum in town, right, and right. Then, um, Decora's got one as well. Something like and, Vesterheim or yeah, something, Vesterheim, right? Yeah, yep. yep. Okay. And so they've got that going on down there, right. too. I think right. ours is Giants of the Earth. Yeah, the Holy um, Rolvog uh, connection, I think, right? The author, right. he wrote the book, right. Yep. And they're doing their things. And we're in both of them. Okay. As far as nice. historic businesses Absolutely. in the area. Absolutely, yeah. We're going to do an event with the Giants of the Earth this fall. Okay. They want to do an event um, at Asner Day. They want to do an international film festival yeah. type situation. Yeah. And Ed Asner, Mary Tyler Moore, sure. you know, in Minnesota, it's a big deal. So they're they're putting that together, and it's Ed Asner's last movie up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, we're making a couple of sodas for that. Okay. Oh, cool. That'll be so. fun. How many different events do you do? Uh, like you mentioned Lanesboro wanted a rhubarb kind of centric flavor for their right. thing. What, what other kind of events do you do? It depends on kind of what's going on in the area. Sure. Like this year was also the... The Houston County 4-H is 100th year oh, wow. in existence. Okay. Yeah, centenary. So, yeah. so we um, took and made our lemon sour, which is kind of a whitish color. Yep. We turned it green and put their 100-year uh, label nice. on it. Nice. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, it, it turned out really good. We did it once earlier, and I think we did like 170 cases, and I thought, right. well, that's going to last them for <laughs> quite a while. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> and they went right through it. They powered through it. Wow, they powered, wow. powered through it. We're, yeah. So we were doing it again for An them. Occasional so. hip flask coming out. And, yeah. <laughs> you never you know. You see it's, this. Uh... It's not just John Deere green, boys and girls. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, well, wow. and I saw, too, you've got a neighboring town that is... Labeling it, I think it's Mabel, right? The the steam thresher capital oh, yeah. of the world. So absolutely, they, they may be probably reaching out to you too. Bring Spring Grove products over here, and oh, maybe maybe a few of the you know we adult we do, beverages as well. We do a lot. We do quite a bit of that yeah. for the all the different fairs, and uh, the state fair is our biggest one. Sure, that we have to get ready for, and unfortunately, yeah. we don't. Yeah, have that this year. year. That's, uh, yeah, it's a it's a hit on everybody. It yeah. really is. Yeah, and you're staying plenty busy. I, yeah, it's good to see you. I mean, that, that's but do you cool. consider more things, or are you, are you just sort of like, all right, this yeah, you, is good enough? Or yeah, do you see no, a future expansion? Or I'm not really looking into that as much. Right. I'm just looking for more, some more flavors and some more opportunities right. like the seltzers, and also contract packaging. Right. With with other companies as well. Absolutely. And, you know, get it out there a little farther into the keep great, getting it out there a little great farther. Great fifty United States. You know, so. constantly working for more dis- distribution right. and stuff like that. So right. We're we're busy here, but you know, we're always you can be anxious busier. to be busier. <laughs> Absolutely, it's good. It's Absolutely. no fun unless you're running in circles. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Well, this is fabulous. I'm looking yeah, forward to purchasing some. And right. This is making me thirsty for Without some strawberry doubt. flavor. Without a doubt. Yeah, we better let you guys get back to Soda work. Pop. But thank you so much, Bob. This was so cool. Yeah, it was fun having you guys down. All right. Yeah, that was a, it. Was a fun interview. With oh, Bob. it was great. Yeah. I mean, he was just so eager to share and and tell us about about uh, the workings. It was fun too to go in there. I mean, it's not a huge. Uh, facility, although they make thousands of bottles, you know. Right. They were loading right. up a, a a big truckload to send to Texas, I think. Correct. Yeah, and there, and multiple products, you know, packaged uh, in cases, ready to go. You know, I mean, uh, Bob alluded to 
you know, doing doing a, a packaging and distributorship for uh, Dad's root beer. Yeah, another favorite. Uh, you know, and then uh, Cock and Bowl Cider. Mm-hmm. Um, that looked real interesting, and asking him about that. And then, uh, and of course, uh, Spring Grove. So lots yeah. and lots of sodas getting loaded up and ready to go, and Bob himself driving the forklift. So it's yeah. like, man, I love it. You know, and the Iron Nine out there on the floor doing the yeah the the, the heavy lifting, and, and Bob heavy lifting as well. So it was just cool to see. and the energy. I mean, yeah, you say what you will. You know, Fud, we've had a lot of interviews. Over the last few years, and and uh, Bob's a natural, you know. Mm-hmm. He's, he's enthused about the product and enthused about the show, and just such an easy conversationalist. So it was a, a lot of fun for both of us, and and I'll just continue enjoying his black cherry product here. It's yeah, just, I still have a little bit more of my rhubarb. Unbelievable. unbelievable. As you know, it's a kind of strawberry with a bit of rhubarb sour kind of quality. It's, you bet. It is good, and you can get that. Uh, well, like I said, I found these today at the Lund's Byerly's. I've been in Cub Foods, and so pretty much anywhere you go, and there it is. Certainly in Minnesota, there I it guess. is. Clear bottles with a clear label. You can see the product right through it. With a with a deer in the foreground and and trees, you know, and amen, pines and oaks, and maples, beautiful for, for cabin country. Beautiful, so. without a doubt. Well, I guess we'll 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 take a short break here, and we'll come back and we'll uh, we'll introduce you to to one of well. A fan who who answered the call we put out last time about uh, sharing, you know, a story of your own or or an idea. But um, well, correct me if I'm wrong, Fud. But that call still still goes out. If you've got oh yeah your own cabin country tales you'd like to record yourself, send to us or send them to us via email. And we'd yeah, be, we'd be glad to give them airtime. We, we love right. we love hearing other people's cabin country stories and yeah and I think the listenership will as well. So as we say, you know, pull up a dock chair, fill join your us coffee, here on the dock, yeah. Coffee mug or knock the top off a Spring Grove soda and sit back and enjoy. We'll turn things over to Don right now to get the commercials rolling, but we'll be back in just a moment with and, t- and a, remind me now, Fud, this is uh, part 2. Of, J- of Jack the Ripper. The Jack the Ripper story. from The, uh, the real yeah. stories of the CCOA. Yes, Cabin the Cabin Country, Country Outdoors Agents. Yes, that's it. Jack the Ripper Part 2. Coming up in just a minute. Minnesota Timber Beasts are ready for a new season. Professional beanbags to the casual observer, competitive cornhole to the victory-hungry professionals. Timber Beast season is upon us and the corn bags are flying. Tournaments are happening all over the Midwest and you can be a part of it. It's not too late to get season tickets to the Timber Beast bag throwing events. The $250 Premier Package gets you front row spacing for your lounge or lawn chair at outdoor events, front row seating at MCHA indoor events. $100 gets you a middle tier seating at all Timber Beast events, but you won't be close enough to get that corn in your face. Of course, there are multi tournament ticket packages available in two, four, and six event packages, and there's always the opportunity to buy a ticket at any event and join the fans to watch the Beasts reign and the opponents flop weak sauce. Where some sports have stood down in recent times, the Mid States Cornhole Association has corn sacks flying in outdoor event centers all over the Midwest. The fun has only just begun. Watch the Beasts square off against other MCHA squads like the Fargo Fourbaggers, the Ames Airmailers, the Calumet Cornados, the Sailing Sacks of Sioux Falls, the Salt Lake Bridegrooms, and their league rivals, the Hancock Hanley Host. If you think you felt the heat, you ain't seen nothing yet. The high-flying action of the MCHA and the Minnesota Timber Beasts is headed your way. It's time to get on the board. And now, the real stories of the Cabin Country Outdoors agents. Episode 2, In the Wake of the Ripper. As a reminder to the listener, I'll begin by stating I was driving down Yeedy Road, a fire road that gave outdoors agents, hunters, anglers, and pleasure boaters access to the cabins and year-round homes on the Gull River. I had no smallmouth fishing or slalom skiing in mind. I had a job to do. I'd been called in on an early evening 266, Live box destroyed and the contents gone. As I drove, I looked for the driveway sign that would get me to the crime scene. Fire numbers could take some serious focus when I had daylight. In this early twilight, the cabin signs were easier to read with the aid of a doormount searchlight. I began to wonder what I'd find. How was the cabin owner doing? How bad was the live box? More importantly, was Jack going to return for a late night mopping up maneuver? 
I had slowed the truck to a low idling roll as I drove the forest road. Soon I saw what I was looking for. The wooden sign with the letter W and a direction arrow burned into the sign. I pulled into the narrow drive, careful not to hit the encroaching maples. It was 7.30 p.m. when I killed the ignition and stepped out of the truck into Pete Ward's front yard. In front of me, down the bank, Pete was on the dock with a flashlight. I walked toward the steps leading down to the dock, but in the fading light I could already see the carnage. Wire screening was sticking up crookedly out of the water. Two of the posts holding the live box to the dock were at odd angles. The top piece of framing wood was cracked and raised up. Pete left the flashlight on but stood up to talk to me. Evening, Torgy. Thanks for coming in and talking to me off hours like this. No worries, Pete. I see you're taking stock of what happened. Can you tell me about it? Pete Ward went on to tell me about his late afternoon's fishing, his catch, and finally the sounds he heard that drew him running to the dock. Had a real good day in Bill's Bay today. Bill's Bay? Yeah, you know that bay across the river beyond the point? Named after my Uncle Bill on one of his trips up here years ago. Boy, that trip he was slaying him. He couldn't miss one cast, one smallie. And all around two, three-pounders with some bigger ones mixed in. The rest of us had some luck, but Uncle Bill, well, for that reason, we've always called it Bill's Bay ever since. Today they are hitting on jitterbugs. Three smallies, all in the three, four-pound range. Pete, that's great. I hope you plug the spot into your boat's GPS, but I, uh, I don't mean to be rude. We are losing light. We better get down to the facts here before it's dark. What happened here, Pete? When do you notice trouble? Pete went on to tell me that he'd put the bass in the live box as he'd been asked by his wife to mow the lawn. She'd asked him to mow the lawn before he went fishing, and as the sun was getting low, he'd heard fishing before he'd heard mowing. Upon returning, the renewed request was made that he mow the lawn. Yeah, I guess the twigs and the pine needles needed mowing pretty bad. Pete had begrudgingly put the bass in his live box and attacked the lawn mowing detail. By the end of an hour's worth of sweating and being covered in dust, he took a quick dip in the river and sat down for a cold beer. It was at that point that things got a bit hazy. Problem was, I was tired after all that mowing. After jumping in the river, I was feeling real clean. So sat down in the easy chair to watch a fishing show rerun, put up my feet, forgot all about the bass in the live box. I tell you straight, Torgy, I drifted off with sawing logs. And then I heard it. You heard it? Yeah, the sound. Say, uh, you need a cup of coffee, or... Well, you're officially off hours. How about a beer? Sorry, Pete. I've donned the hat. I'm on duty. No, thank you. Tell me about the sounds, and then we'd better get a look at that live box. It woke me up out of my nap. Almost a twanging sound, like piano strings breaking or something like that. Then a crack, you know, like the sound you hear when you're breaking firewood by standing on it. Crack, like that. Then... It took me a moment as I snapped out of it, and I realized the sound was coming from my own dock. So I hightailed it down there, and Torgy, I couldn't believe what I saw. Go ahead, Pete. What did you see? The wire sides were all shredded and sticking up out of the water. It's like something had gone clear through the side of the live box. The top piece of wood framing was cracked in the middle and arched up like an A-frame cabin. I've got the box posted to the dock, you know. Poles and brackets holding it to the dock so it's extra sturdy. The poles were slanted like they were almost pulled out of the riverbed. A real mess. We looked at the live box. It was badly damaged and would require an afternoon's work and three cups of coffee to repair it. Not only was the top framing cracked, but the two-by-two across the bottom was also cracked. The entire live box was crooked now. The framing was at odd angles due to the strength of the culprit that broke the box. What about the bass? Gone. Four-pounder was nothing but a head attached to a clean spine. Two smaller fish were a collection of floating scales and a couple of fins. There's a huge twisted hole in the wall of the live box. This thing had managed to crack the frame of the box. It's a huge live box, Torgy. I can keep several Norbies in it at one time with no trouble. I built that box for strength. I mean, I grew up on this river. I know the stories. Oh, I can catch more bass and rebuild the live box, but it's the principle of the thing. I guess I just got cocky. I figured pressure-treated wood, construction-grade joining, and heavy-gauge wire mesh. Stronger stuff than they'd use for chicken coops, you know. Jack won't be able to beat this box, I thought. I've got nothing to worry about. Well, that's where you were wrong. Come again? Looks like the Ripper didn't have anything to worry about. We were losing our light quickly, so I wrapped things up. I told Pete to get a good night's sleep and be ready to rebuild the box in the morning. I suggested he use 2x4s or maybe 2x6s on the rebuild. 
Perhaps he should consider something other than wood. He should look even for heavier gauge side panel caging. Jack had no problem destroying what he'd built. If Pete was really serious, perhaps he'd consider having a local metal shop building a cage-like affair out of aluminum or steel. I told him I'd be back. This wasn't over. Not by a long shot. Other agents over the years had tried their best to catch the Ripper, to get him out of the water. I wasn't saying I was the one that could end this age-old legacy, but I was darn sure going to give it my best shot. Join us for the next exciting episode of Real Adventures of the Cabin Country Outdoors Agency, right here on Cabin Country. This is a work of fiction. Names, characters, places, and incidents are either products of the author's imagination or are used fictitiously. Any resemblance to actual events or locales or persons, living or dead, is entirely coincidental. back. Now, uh, like I said, we had a couple of people gave us feedback. Joe Thielen, of course, was really nice. And I mentioned a woman from Calgary, Canada, and her name is Barbara Thompson. She's a, an author, a writer. And here's what I found when I checked the Cabin Country email you bet. site. She said, uh, Dear Bjorn and Fudd, I hope you enjoy this ditty I wrote for you both. Uh, Some Cabin Country ways, no matter the geography, stay the same. Thank you ever so much for your delightful podcast. If even for a while you two have have me float back to my childhood and you make me smile, wow. I am for forever grateful. Well, and we are forever grateful, Barbara, for Without a doubt. for sending this uh, us this little story. It's just a short story, and we're gonna we're gonna reenact that or enact that for you in a moment here. But uh, I just thought it'd be fitting to just kind of mention that a little bit about Barbara. Yeah, just a little bio here. It's she off, off her website, uh, Fud. Yeah. She's a blogger and an author. She, she has a, a, a number of books uh, that you can find on Amazon. Barbara J. Thompson spent her childhood in cottage country, Halliburton, Ontario, Canada, and knows well of what Bjorn and Fudd speak. Barbara is now a Calgary, Alberta-based literary novelist and short story writer who yearns to craft tales of woe on either side of cocktail hour. My. Her works examine the process of death, of an icon, an ideal, or an event to reveal answers to long-held mystery or societal question. It's in life's final moments that truth plays the only role. So, wow. Yeah, she's impressive. A, a busy editor and writer and... Uh, Love it. And contributor to Cabin Country. Yes. Outstanding. Unbelievable. Outstanding. I, I can't believe... My daughter was quite impressed when I said, Hey, we've, we, we've got our first fan fiction. We had somebody write in a story with Bjorn and Fudd. Oh, very exciting. And we did uh, send out a couple of mugs in gratitude. I love it. And uh, she said uh, she would add that to her crockery and, and enjoy and cherish it. So It's beautiful. So thank you so much. Yes, Barbara, thank you so much. And we look forward to uh, trying to do justice to your writing here. Today. Yes. 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 Indeed. Well, let's give it a go. Burnt umber leaves, wizened and curled, bristled and fell along Minnesota's Gull Lake shore. It was late autumn, a time when most cottagers have closed up for the year and headed home, knowing the storms of November are brewing. But there would always be a cottager or two, and you know who you are, who would choose to linger a while longer, for to leave what they loved best was a terrible tug. Overstaying one's welcome, however, could etch more dark than light upon a cottager's soul. A light breeze swept in over the lake and jiggled the lures haphazardly attached to a fisherman's vest. The old man, sporting a severe widow's peak and arched brows, a ruler-straight nose and piercing eyes, sat hunched over a wooden pole in a beaten and battered aluminum boat, its hull painted white over red with stenciled letters reading, 29 Bells. Odd name for a fishing boat, but no cabin country dweller worth his weight in firewood ever questioned another man's handle. The craft floated motionless upon a mirror surface. Soft claps against the shallow hull could be heard as a rhythmic beat. With each clap, the old man grimaced. Water on metal sounds are not soothing to everyone. The man's head bowed, covered his face in shadow. Each inhalation brought a rasping, bubbling rattle. Breathing no longer came easy. Dawn had broken in cabin country, the pastel yellow rays peeking over the horizon. The old fisherman knew boating at dawn was best done after a sunset's fiery glow. 
Red sky at night, sailors delight. Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. The stranger came to Gull Lake but once a year, in the brooding month of November. Men like him knew to stay away from bigger waters in November. This year he wasn't alone. Across the way, two Gull Lake long-timers, Bjorn Lloydstad and Fudd Klugman, sat in two weather-beaten Adirondack chairs placed upon similar weather-beaten dock that overlooked the sound. It was the final weekend to haul in that dock. It should have been done a month ago. But the pair had put it off, not wanting to call an end to their time by the water. But all good things must come to an end. With coffee cups in hand and an excuse to prolong the inevitable, the duo jumped into the tracker and revved up the motor. If one man could venture upon the water at this late date, then by gosh, so could two more. The old boat pushed up lazy waves that rippled out from shore, its trolling motor softly humming. After a time, the craft inched up to the aluminum boat, the heaving waves slapping loudly against both hulls. The old man jumped at the water's fury. He knew it all too well. Embarrassed, Fudd quickly pulled back on the throttle. The trolling motor wasn't usually known for its get-up-and-go. Today of all days, this motor has spark. Figures. Well, hello there. Catching any luck? asked Bjorn, hoping to put the old man at ease. The fisherman looked across the bow and squinted to focus in on his visitors. The fear that had held his face hostage soon departed. The old man's shoulders relaxed and a warm smile greeted the cabin country neighbors. Morning there. Nah, catching no luck, no fish. Too many water skimmers. Fish aren't interested in my lure. Surface nibbles and bubbles popping here and there occupied the slate blue soup. Bjorn noticed the old man was using the worm wannabe fish a poppin' lure made by Northland. It was a yearly sellout at the SW Bait and Tackle in Brainerd. Bjorn wore a pinch of envy upon his face. Next year, yeah, I'm, I'm heading up here early so I can get a worm wannabe. The cottagers had never bumped into this old man before. They thought they knew every angler in these parts, clear from Niswa on down. But never before had the pair haunted cabin country so late in the season. Name's Bjorn, and this is my good friend Fudd. There was a pause for a time, a silence. The lake ripples, softer now, blipped against both hulls, and a lyrical sound filled the void. Name's Ernest. Well, nice to meet you, Ernest, called out the men. Call me Cap. Everyone does. Bjorn noticed the man donned a navy blue cap that sat atop his head at a jaunty angle. The material was threadbare, the brim bent and torn, and the gold embroidery that had been fashioned into a star, its broken threads, were a moldy brown. Fudd figured it was the guy's lucky hat. It wasn't the guy's lucky hat. Cap, it is. You new to these parts? Asked Fudd. Oh, I come and go. Heard the biting was good here. You betcha, especially in the fall. Fish like the cooler temps, said Bjorn. Proud he was of his Gull Lake knowledge. Fudd dropped anchor and settled the tracker alongside Cap's boat. Close enough to be friendly, not so close you'd have to converse. Whistling and shushing sounds. Errant wind gusts pushed their way through the scraggly paper birch and Norway pines that nestled near the shore, the arbor chime filling the musky autumn air. That's the thing about early mornings in cabin country. Mother Nature does the talking. Fudd grabbed the poles, and Bjorn rifled through the tackle box, grabbing two bullfrog blaster lures made by the St. Croix Bait Company of Stillwater, Minnesota. Bjorn's dad bought them in 1972 at the old Caps Pro Shop in Niswa. The green rubber had faded into a dull gray and the jumper legs were stiff. But not catching fish with them back in the day wouldn't detract from them not catching fish now. Fudd and Bjorn knew not to mess with tradition. Cap eyeballed the cottagers in their red tartan and green camo jackets, did the once-over of their questionable lures, shook his head, grinned, and spoke not a word. There was a definite chill in the air. Cloud puffs emanated from Fudd and Bjorn as they exhaled, but not from Cap. The cold didn't seem to affect the old man. Fudd poured two mugs of coffee from an old metal thermos, looked at the cap, and said, Hey, you want a hot one? With big eyes and a wide smile, Cap said, By gosh, I haven't tasted a brew in so long. Thanks mightily, men. Cap laid down his pole, rode closer to the tracker, and reached for the mug that had sported a photo of two odd-looking pipe-smoking fishermen angling in a beat-up boat. As Cap sipped at the coffee, Fudd grinned at their new friend. Cap's eyes twinkled literally twinkled at the sight of the swirling steam and the scent of the rich aroma. Fudd's grin stopped cold when he spied the old man's hands. They were luminescent, actually see-through. Fudd rubbed the sleep out of his eyes. Last night's late-night fire with Bjorn was doing weird things to his head. You know, for the most part, I don't miss much, but a good cup of coffee, well, when I was here, 
I swear that's what filled my veins most. Bjorn looked at... No, that's not the right word. He looked through the old man. Bjorn saw the shoreline right through Cap's body. The cottager rubbed his eyes. That sport pack of Schmitz they downed last night wasn't doing his eyes any favors. Oh, you lived here? asked Bjorn. Not here, but close. Spent most of my time up north. You know, on the lakes. Superior. Cap's last uttered words skipped over the water and bounced off the shore, echoing into oblivion. The shivering rattling their bones. Cap's bones sat unperturbed. Tufts of graying hair that peeked out from Bjorn and Fudd's fishing hats lifted in the breeze. Cap's hair felt no ill effects. Not a strand lay out of place. The Norway pines hissed and the paper birch creaked, bending violently in the wind. No longer did the trees play a sing-song. The sky, which at daybreak had shown crisp and clear, pounced like a hungry predator, folding and flipping in gunmetal gray clouds while miniature white caps crowned and cascaded over the once still water. Fuddenbjord did a 360. Gull Lake had never looked so sinister. Cabin country was speaking to them, but darned if they knew what it was trying to say. Oh, you're a big lakes fisherman, hollered Fudd over the cacophony, continuing the conversation in spite of Mother Nature's fury. I do my time on the inland seas, Cap hollered back, his expression sober and sorrowful. Do his time? An odd phrase, Bjorn thought. The old man hadn't really answered his question. As the minutes ticked by and the mighty wind held its speed, Cap's boat slowly drifted away from the tracker. Thanks for the coffee, men. It'll keep me warm, Cap called out. You never get used to the icy cold. Gotta head back to the bridge now. The divers are gone. An errant mist lowered onto the lake, erasing all sight of the fishermen. Minutes later, the opaque cloud lifted as quickly as it had come. Bjorn and Fudd found themselves all alone on Gull Lake. A banging sound pummeled the tracker. Fudd looked over the edge and saw their extra cabin country mug floating empty in the water. Bjorn fished it out without saying a word. Both men strained their necks in search of the old duffer in the aluminum boat, but not a stitch of him nor his craft remained. Let's head in, said Bjorn. Fudd didn't put up a fight. He raised the anchor and started the motor and guided the tracker back to shore. To erase the disquieting thoughts that bounced inside their heads, Bjorn reached for the old transistor radio that he kept stored in the tackle box and switched it on, turning it to WEBC AM. The station was playing an oldie but a goodie. The legend lives on from the Chippewan down, the big lake they called Gishigumi. The lake, they had said, never gives up her dead, and the skies of November turned gloomy. Bjorn looked at Fudd, and Fudd flashed a shocked look right back. And in the far-off distance, an unseen ship bell rang 29 times. No more late-season, late-night beer-drinking binges by the fire on Gull Lake. The gales of November turned ghostly. Great story. I mean, just how awesome to have a writer. Yeah, I just uh, cranked out a little ditty for you guys, so th- thanks again to Barbara Thompson. She goes by B.J. Thompson. You can find her, her books on Amazon, you know, in print or on Kindle versions. And let's see, I'm looking right on the Amazon site here. No More Blood, which is an epilogue to the life of Truman Capote in In Cold Blood. Uh, 18 Minutes to the Beast, a Nixon Watergate thriller. Mm-hmm. Uh, sessions, uh, Predator versus Shrink, Who Will Survive? Oh, wow. you know? And she's got a Beaver Tales, a child's memoir, also sort of a guide to those of us who are plagued by, you know, writer's block all the time, in my case, I don't know. <laughs> Stop Not Writing, a no BS guide to avoid the avoidance of tricks of the non-writing writer. Ah. So, uh, but... Uh, all benefit from that, I think, to some extent, so cool looking stuff and so solid body of work and it's all available out there on yeah yeah she i mean she asked she said no i'm not looking for a plug or anything i just uh, you know what really like what you guys do and i kind enough to offer up a wonderful story like 29 bells yeah i, I figure hey you know that's awesome we are honored absolutely that, was, to that be. was a lot of fun so thank you barbara that was a really cool story and uh it brought me back to our halloween episode to some extent so. oh yeah and of course well the Edmonds fitzgerald she yeah, said. man, you know, there's, uh, the legacy goes on, you know. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yet another another uh, writer inspired by one of the great tragedies of uh, Lake Superior's past, the Edmund Fitzgerald and 
29 Bells, without a doubt. A great story. So thanks again to Barbara, and please uh, look her up. And she also has a blog. She's uh, well, She seems quite... Uh... She's beaten that writer's block, which is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, outstanding. Well, uh, I suppose we could think about what's coming up here. We're very excited. We just uh, had a great interview with uh, John Munson. Yes, musician, musicologist, personality, bon vivant. <laughs> Very and and as as I kind of thought might be the case, an excellent uh, storyteller. We really yeah. enjoyed uh, obviously the history of the musician himself, but we find that he's a a true lover of cabin country as well. Uh, yeah, avid fisherman, canoeist, uh, appreciator of, of the Boundary Waters canoe area, kind of his home away from home, and some great stories to tell us. From, yeah, from his. I have to admit, I didn't expect there was a moment in our interview where he, not to give too much away, but he started talking about fishing lake trout. Right. And uh, and at one point he said, well, and you guys probably know about, more about this than I do. But then he proceeded to talk about this particular experience, and I thought, no, John, I think you know more <laughs> about When it comes to lake, lake trout, John, you're, you're the expert. We, we defer. Yeah. So Without a doubt. Not just a brilliant, prodigious musician. Yeah. Enjoys the outdoors. So Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And that's why we invited him here. That's right. That's talk right. with us on Cabin Country, but just a really great guy. And I'm kind of inspired by He's also working on a sauna, which you'll hear about. Making a sauna in his backyard. Correct. Yeah, uh, one, of his, one of his COVID projects, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, and he talked about his Winona canoe. And, oh, yeah. You know, how well-aged it is and how, how much love he's put into trying to keep that thing up and running and carrying that on the portages of Boundary Waters, so... A right. good interview. I think you'll enjoy it. I mean, we might tune in saying, oh boy, the guy who gave me all those years of wonderful live shows and continues to do so when, when pandemics allow, you know, yeah. and still very active and still very prolific and still rife with great music and, uh, and yet happy to talk the outdoors. And that's exactly why we had him on. So that'll yeah. be exciting and I hope you'll enjoy it as much as we did. I'm sure you will. Indeed. Oh, I should also mention, in the works here, Fudd, uh, yes. I did talk to uh, a journeyman of the uh, the North Shore uh, and a good friend from long ago, Captain Dave, Oh yes, has uh, agreed to sit with times. us uh, for an evening and, and relay some of his tales. I, he's, you know, a builder of log homes up near the Great Lakes. Uh, the Commercial Fishing Museum. He uh, is a board member in the Minnesota Commercial Fishing Museum, Tofty, Minnesota. Proud member there and a very worthwhile institution. And at the same time, he is a fully licensed Great Lakes sailing captain. Uh, wow. And we're not talking ore carriers here, but we. <laughs> I mean, I, if I know the captain well, he'd give it a run. He'd yeah. take a shot at it, but his, his forte is uh, sailboats. Mm-hmm. You know, traditionally 30 to 40, 45 feet long. And uh, he'll have some great stories about navigating Lake yeah. Superior, you know, in various times of the year. So, if Including you're, his P-Super. Ah, uh, the, the, the heavy weather training, yeah, yeah to get his yeah. licensure for rough weather. Uh, yeah, he, he sailed through a solid P-Super from Bayfield over to the Michigan side. And uh, he'll tell us all about that. And if you're, if you, you know... Kind of, kind of fitting, having just heard Barbara Thompson's Twenty Nine Bells story, yeah. And, and last week, kind of waxing nostalgic, poetic, and and uh, with no shortage of uh, reverence for yeah. the Twenty Nine who passed, yeah, on the forty fifth anniversary of the sinking of the Edmund Fitzgerald in Whitefish Bay. So perhaps they they were headed for Whitefish Bay. They didn't quite make it. I forget. I forget the story. I'm, You'd know better than I. I, do. I feel like they were headed for Whitefish Bay when the when the big wave started pummeling the, the hatchways so you know feel free to write in and correct me uh, we'd love to hear your take on, on the Edmund Fitzgerald or any of your cabin country stories and I'll throw this out there Fudd and you'll correct me if I'm wrong but I believe it's cabin country pod oh for the G- I'm sorry the yeah I'm looking yep email your, your tales cabin country pod at gmail.com there we go there we go you know and I'm, and I'm starting we do actually have a website too the okay. cabin country yeah. podcast something or another <laughs> and uh we started it we don't know what it's called but you get the yeah, idea. i'm, I'm starting i'm getting some I, i'm starting to get some help on on sprucing that up too in fact nice. i just nice. i uploaded yes. all the episodes on the website mm-hmm. and um actually i've also got a list of some of the 
the great Muzak. We we add. Oh yes, you know. Indeed. Some of them created, some of them found, and but um, yeah, you know, it's just like everybody. You got to have a website, and I just haven't put. You know, we're kind of a two and a half person uh, operation indeed, here indeed. at this point, so it's hard to get keep all the pots cooking just right. Correct. But you know, we're we're uh, we're stepping up. We're, we're getting, getting there. there. Yeah, I should mention too. Not only do we have a cabincountrypod at gmail.com for an email, and then we have our website. But I, we do also have an Instagram account, and that's okay. fun and easy. I just posted a picture of what I'm calling the backyard petting zoo right. in the back of the Oakdale studio here. That's it's, right. Uh, there are two deer chowing on somebody's leftover jack-o'-lantern pumpkin. Okay. Um, <clears throat> you know, and in the background are ducks walking on the semi-frozen pond. <laughs> And uh, what wasn't pictured are the, the two woodchucks that, or excuse me, I keep getting those mixed up. Uh, muskrats, muskrats, yes, that yes, are, are gad. chasing each other around there. So we got geese and ducks, and uh, I mean, you'd think I live in this wildlife sanctuary, but no, <laughs> it's it's a suburb and it's Oakdale, and it's but it's great. I have lots of fun staring out my patio door. Oh man, yeah, it's, and they're, it's, they're coming right to you, and they know they're safe. They're not gonna. But of course, uh, yeah, Fudd won't be emerging from the house with a. Yeah, the twelve gauge loaded with deer slugs. <laughs> it's it's nope. It's it's uh, no, just uh, loaded in with the my city limits here. Long just, lens, just, just a camera. That's get right. a shot. That's right. But so Instagram and I don't know. I think that's but well Facebook too. So anyway, have we have we done enough uh, self promotion tonight? I, Shameless self promotion from your good it friends seems like at for, Cabin Country for the first twenty something episodes we just didn't, didn't even say mention anything it. and now we're just good luck if you find us beating great. you over the head with coffee right. mugs but that's that's all right we'd love to send you one and we'd love to hear your story so yes take so. It. just like barbara j thompson who sent us in that wonderful story 29 bells <clears throat> well she set a high watermark there oh, I, she did that's don't be, be afraid tough be, to follow but yeah. take your shot at it we'd love to we'd love sure to, love to follow up and that yes. was uh, barbara by all means too if you've got more that uh, you're willing to Right, and perhaps uh, twenty nine bells, the second, the second version, or something new, something different. Yes, tales from the Canadian side. Corners. Uh, let's not kid ourselves. A lot of many, many an upper Midwesterner. Oh yes, or northeasterner, whatever, has said, "Boy, in the dream, you know." Oh yes, a cabin or a cottage on the Canadian side. Well, and we do have uh, we. One of our earliest guests was our good friend Buck Fielding. Right. And what we didn't get into in that episode was our Canadian trips back in our younger days. We did, days. yes, back in the and uh, long the... hair and foul mouth. <laughs> that, yes, um, and uh, I think Buck's taken several trips into Canada, mid, mid to northern Ontario, Highwind Lake. Yes, beautiful location. Well, uh, we've probably exhausted about every subject we can for the, for tonight. For now, yeah, uh, we're we're going on the uh, the, the Spring Grove Soda buzz here and um, without a doubt thanks again to bob hansen great interview a lot of fun i hope you enjoyed it do yourself a favor get yourself a six-pack soon and 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 see what we're talking about right without a doubt or bring him up to the cabin and uh, even better even better so all right well maybe it's time to check that coffee pot make sure it's not getting too low it's either time to make a second pot or turn off the burner i'm not quite sure which but uh as things cool off a little bit and i just noticed on my phone the Evening fog warning has just come in. Oh, perhaps oh there's some uh, tall ships heading across to Sault Ste. Right. Marie at this point. Careful, be careful out there. Warns. But uh, on a safer note, we'll just let the cabin door swing shut and look forward to seeing you next time on the next edition of Cabin Country. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.